Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, I thank you once again for another day. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I ask that you open up our minds and our hearts to receive this word on today and continue to speak to us only like you know how. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. I'm going to be extremely honest today. This week, I don't know, but today especially, just not feeling it at all. Um, woke up in my mind, not feeling it. And it was funny because I got in the car, and the first thing that came on, uh, my mom had the CD on, and the first thing that came on was like, don't give up. You can make it. <laughs> Don't give up. You can make it. And I'm just like, okay. All right, God. <laughs> so, yeah. And then the lesson today, you know, going over it this morning, really, like, hit some sensitive areas, at least spiritually, where I know it's like God is dealing with me on it. So from between last week and this week, I feel like I'm getting mollywhopped. But that's not always a bad thing, right? Because he chastised those who he loves. But, man, it's been rough. So, you know, just, I mean, I'm being dead serious. Like, if you could just remember, send up a prayer for me. That would be awesome. Sister Jackie is struggling, honestly. Okay, so um, this week we are going to be going over the name Jehovah. Um, yes, going to be going over the name Jehovah. It's a fairly short lesson, but still has a lot of uh, meat to it. I'm definitely going to be doing quite a bit of reading. I'm only going to be coming from the the King James today. I'm sorry for that. But that's where we're going to be reading from. Well, at least that's where I'll be reading from. You are more than welcome to read from whichever version you read from. But just letting you know, I'm coming from the King James today. So, um, the name Jehovah is actually the most frequently used in the Old Testament. Um, it uh, appears about um, 6,823 times. So this is what the author has, has told us. And the first of that, first time we see it is in Genesis uh, 2 and 4, where Jehovah is compounded with Elohim. So Jehovah Elohim. So let's go to Genesis 2 and 4 now. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. And I apologize if you hear noise in the background because I think somebody is cutting grass. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Okay. So Genesis 
chapter 2, verse 4, these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth where they were created in the day that the Lord Jehovah, God, Elohim, made the earth and heavens. So if y'all remember Elohim, right, God, creator, okay. So uh, the word Jehovah itself is derived from the word Hava, which means to be, to become, okay. So Jehovah in itself is a word that represents God's being or his essence, okay. When he says, which we'll talk about a little bit later, I am that I am, right? I am who I am. I am Jehovah. I am God. I am, right? Talking to his being, his existence. Um, We have a quote in this lesson from Nathan Stone about the word Jehovah, right? And when we see that word Lord, because it often is translated as Lord, but when you see it in all caps, Nine times out of ten, if not almost always, that word is Jehovah. When you see it in big letters, okay? So when we see that word, David Stone says, we must think of Jehovah as the being who is absolutely self-existent, the one who in himself possesses essential life, permanent existence. Okay? So, again, all life comes from him. God is eternal. He was here before time even began. <laughs> He's going to be here, you know, forever, okay? So, um, looking at Exodus, we're going to go to Exodus now, chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. In, uh, 13 through 15. So we kind of touched on this, I think, last lesson, but we're going to look at it again because, again, we see the word Jehovah appear again. Okay? So um, go ahead. I'm going to read that now. So that's Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Okay, so starting at verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Verse 14, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am, of Jehovah. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Then verse 15, and God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, The Lord God, so Jehovah, of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, have sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Okay. So, the first thing is, Jehovah means self-existent one. Right, because again, like we like we just talked about, uh, it's representing his existence, his essence, his being. Okay, so it means self-existent one. That part, like I said, I am who I am. Right, or if we come from the King James version, I am that I am. Jehovah. Okay, 
So author makes this point. Um, all life is contained in him. Why do we look elsewhere? Why do we not rest in his unchangeableness? He has never failed. He cannot. He is Jehovah, the self-existent, covenant-keeping God. If God is who he is, right, and then we have the scripture, which again we'll kind of look at that later in the lesson, but we have the scripture, God the same today, yesterday, forever. He's not changing because he is who he is, right? And even, you know, going over this today, like, there's questions, okay, why do we keep looking elsewhere? Why do we keep searching to fill those holes inside of us with somebody else or something else or some type of substance or whatever, but we never go to God? We go to everybody else, everything else, but you don't go to God, right? You know he's not going to fail you. He's never failed you. He doesn't plan to start yet because he cannot change. He cannot fail. Right? And so for me, at least reflecting on that, it's just that realization like you don't really know him yet as that thing. Like I know now that he's a provider. So I don't sweat that stuff anymore. I used to panic, like, oh, God, how am I going to get through this month? Like, God, I don't, I don't even know, like, or how, how is this going to happen or blah, blah, blah. And he's come through every time. I was like, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it. God's going to find a way to make it happen. Something's going to happen. <laughs> Something, some kind of way is going to work out in my favor. So I don't, I don't worry about that anymore. But there are other areas of my life. Where it's like, okay, you still don't really know God as your soulmate, as your husband. So you're struggling in that area. You have been let down by so many other men in your life. You know, or you feel like, you know, let down or whatever, that when it comes to God and God is saying, trust me, I am the am. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to go back on my word. I'm not lying to you. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to take advantage of, of your feelings and then try to use that against you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I genuinely want what's best for you. <laughs> you know, it's harder to be like, mm, I don't know. Mm. So until we actually like start to know him as Jehovah, right, the God who keeps his promises, it's a little bit harder to trust somebody you don't know. And as basically what he was telling me earlier today, <laughs> you don't trust me because you don't know me. It's hard to trust somebody you don't know. It's hard to, to get close to somebody you don't know. It's hard to spend time or talk to someone that, yeah, you know that God is your first husband or your wife. You know that, this, that God is your spouse before you get your spouse. But because you can't really, when you try to spend time with them, it's awkward because, mm, like, what? Well, I don't even know what to say. What do I even say to him? 
I don't even know where to start, Lord. Right? So because of that, we end up going back to things that are familiar. You know it's not good for you. Right? Um, I don't know why I keep going back to that. I don't know. Somebody needs to hear that and you're just not listening. I don't know. <laughs> but you keep going back to that person that you know that you shouldn't even be talking to. You keep dating the same kind of people over and over again and keep getting the same result. And instead of changing your standard and starting first with yourself and determining, okay, there's something in me that keeps finding myself drawn to these types of men or these types of women, these types of people over and over and over again, and I keep finding myself in the same spot over and over and over again, something has to start changing inside of me first. And I have to decide for myself that I deserve better I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm not going to settle for this. My standards have to change. Right? So until you get to that place where it's just like, okay, you know what? Yeah, it's familiar to me, but this isn't good for me, and I need to start familiarizing myself with my God. I need to start getting to know him for who he is. So that I can come to him in confidence, knowing that he's not going to fail me. He's going to fill that need, right, all-sufficient one. He's going to fill that need. He's going to meet the need for me, whatever it is. I don't care how lonely I am, how lonely I feel today, how horrible I feel today. To be honest, right now, he's feeling the need right now. <laughs> when I tell you, I really was not feeling it. Literally, my mind was just like, mm-mm. I'm trying to do the lesson, study the lesson this morning, going over scriptures, and my mind is just wandering on everything but where it needs to be. And yet, in this moment, it's just like, ooh, okay, Lord, come on in, Jesus. Oh, yeah, we got to start going to that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's familiar to you. It, it might feel nice for a little while. It's just, it's just going to it's, it's, it's like, uh, what do you call it, nitrogen gas, right? When nitrogen is in a container, it's like a liquid form. The minute it exposed, gets exposed there, it turns into <laughs> a gas substance. It evaporates almost instantly. It dissipates. So that sin might comfort you for a little while. Might make you feel good for a little bit. But, baby, it's going to be gone so quick. And then it leaves you empty again. And in half the time, you can't even function the way that you need to because the flesh and the spirit are warring against each other. So you can't even walk the way that you need to walk. We got to start... You know, like I said, I keep saying it over and over, but you have to stop retreating to stuff just because it's familiar. Like, well, this is all I know. Okay, well, now it's time for you to learn something else. God wants to teach you another way to cope with things, to get through those those rough situations. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but you got to learn how to sit through that. 
instead of just retreating because it's so easy to quit. It's so easy to quit when stuff gets difficult or when you don't feel, like I said, you don't feel comfortable. It's not easy, right? You have people that uh, in these short-term relationships, like they call them serial daters, you 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 good when everything is in that, that honeymoon phase and that real, like, lovey-dovey phase of the relationship. But then the minute when you got to actually put in work, you got to really get to know that person beyond, ooh, they fine, ooh, they cute. <laughs> you got to really put in that work and that time. Now all of a sudden it's like, ugh, I ain't got time for this. Uh, no, nah, I'm, nah, I'm good. They tripping. I'm, I'm done. Even a friendship got to get beyond that. Like, yeah, they cool, man. No, you know, my best friend, me and my best friend have been friends for over 13 years, at least 13 years. You don't think there were at least some moments where it was like, oh, get on my nerves. I definitely got on her nerves. You know, we laugh, we joke about it, because I would just ask them, like, there ever things that I do that, like, annoy you? She's like, yes. <laughs> but we're still friends. Why? Because you worked through that. So you have to learn how to work through that with God, too. Become familiar with him. Learn how to trust them in those areas so that you're not constantly seeking back to into those vices or those temptations, those things that you use to make yourself feel better, but you know are just pleasing to God. Okay? That's it. I'm there too. Okay? Oh, just mess with me. All right. So, he is Jehovah. He's the self-existent, covenant-keeping God. Okay. Now, even though we see it used in Genesis 2 and 4, right, because we read that, it's used as early as in Genesis. That's the first time we see Jehovah used. God's people didn't really understand what it meant until Exodus 3, verses 13 through 15, okay, with Moses. The reason being that his name went with his covenant promise to his people. Okay. So for that, we're going to go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, we're going to read verse 2, verses 2 through 4. So Exodus chapter 6. And then verses 2 through 4. Okay, so starting at verse 2. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord, Jehovah. (laughs) And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. In verse 4, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. So again, we see his name associated with being a covenant-keeping God, right? Covenant keeper. So he is, right? His being, his essence, and he's a covenant keeper. He keeps his promises. 
okay? So yeah, they, they, they heard the name, but didn't become understood until that, that moment with Moses where it shows up with covenant, right? About the covenant, him being a covenant keeper. Okay, and then he tells us the next thing says, Yeah, they knew me, but they didn't they didn't know what that name meant. Okay. They knew me, but they didn't know me. All right. So now it's revealed to them. He's revealed to them as Jehovah, but they didn't understand what that name until Exodus. Okay. There was quite a few years that passed by from Abraham to Moses. All right. So uh, Jehovah fulfilled the covenant he had made with Abraham. Now we see that in uh, Genesis 15. Let's go there. He makes the promise, Genesis 15, verses 13 through 21. Okay. I'll read that now. So Genesis chapter 15, starting at verse 13. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. So this is talking about when they were in Egypt. Okay? They weren't there yet, right? Abraham has not had his first son yet at this time. But God is sharing with him this promise, right? He's formed this covenant with Abraham. Uh, 14, and also that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. Verse 15, and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Verse 16, but in the fourth generation there shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Verse 17, and it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Verse 18, in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. 19, the Kenites the Kenizzites and the Kadmonites, verse 20, and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Raphims, 21, and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. So he's made this covenant with Abraham. He's sharing the promise. Okay? All that happened, right? And we see that fulfilled in Exodus, okay, God is fulfilling that, or the promise is about to come to fruition because he appears to Moses first in Exodus chapter 3, right, telling him to go, go speak to them, right, and remember we talked about that last week, how he was like, called him, you know, Adonai, recognize him as master, but it's like, you call me master, but you're not doing what I'm telling you to do, you're making excuses for why you can't do it. Lord, why don't you send somebody else? <laughs> right? What, what should I even tell them? Okay. So, uh, here God revealed himself to them, as people going back to Exodus, God revealed himself to them as 
the unchanging God who remains faithful to his word throughout many generations. So not only is just the same God who didn't fail them when you read this word is the same God who's not going to fail you, is the same God who's not going to fail your children's children's children. He's not changing. He's not going back on his word. We can have confidence in that and trust him in that. By whatever lies the enemy is putting in your head, oh, you know that's never going to happen for you. Yeah, yeah, it, it happens for everybody else. You know, everybody else is doing better, but ooh, look at your life. You just horrible. It'll never happen for you. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. But you know what? That In that moment, that's when you really got to get in your word and be like, no, nah, because my word says that my God is a covenant keeper, and any promise that he speaks over me, he's going to keep it. He's going to meet it. It's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. Because his words are action. His very words, God's very words are action. So if he says it, it's done. Right? So, moving on. When you need assurance, run to him. (laughs) This is from the author, from K. Author in the book. When you need assurance, run to Jehovah. Again, we keep going to other stuff because it's familiar to you. When you don't know God like you should know him, you don't trust him like you should. You don't really think he's going to be able to meet that need for you like that sin does. That temptation, that vice that you got in your life, that person, that thing that you keep seeking after, that you keep reaching for. Because it's, well, this is familiar to me, and I know it's faulty. But, you know, run to him. God is literally like waiting, waiting. (laughs) I know you would rather do X, Y, Z, but come to me first. Try me. For once in your life, try me instead of this thing. So he's not going to change because he can't. He doesn't waver, even when we do. He keeps his promises. He does not change. He doesn't, "Mm, well, I don't know. On second thought, maybe he said what he said. He meant what he meant. Done. So even when we fail, and remember that that guilt and shame that is not of God. That's the enemy. That's what the enemy does to make you not go to God because you are so ashamed or you feel so guilty or whatever. That is just like, um, you know, I, God, I can't even look you in the face right now. I don't even know what to say. How can I come to you? And I know what I did because of what you did, because you're able to still get up, because he's given you the grace and the mercy to come to help. That's why. Just own up where you at. 
Just go ahead and go to him. He wants to fix it. But you got to let him fix it. Okay. So, a uh, reference verse for that is Hebrews chapter 13. Some of y'all may know it. Chapter uh, 13, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. He's not changing. He has no plans to. He can't. Because he is. Okay. So, uh, looking at Exodus 34, chapter 34. Okay. Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 7. Okay. And the Lord, Jehovah, descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, Jehovah. Verse 6, and the Lord Jehovah passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, Jehovah, Jehovah, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Now, I will say, you know, in the New Testament, uh, I'll have to find the exact verse, but Jesus comes in and he says, the fathers will no longer be held, you know, from according to the sin, the uh, sins of the children and vice versa. So the children are not going to be held accountable for what your, your parents did, your fathers did before you, right? But at this time, before the new covenant is formed with Jesus Christ, under Jesus Christ, we have this covenant here in the Old Testament. Okay. So that's why it's saying the children's children. So can you imagine your one action doesn't just affect you, it affects your children and your children's children unto the third and fourth generation. So. Let's think of it this way. Your grandparent, your parent, you, your child. That's four generations. <laughs> right there. Or even your great-grandparent, grandparent, parent, and then you. Dang, great-granddaddy went and messed up, and now we got to pay because of what he did. Yep. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Okay. But let's look at that passage again, particularly verses um, 6 and 7. I'll read it again from 5, though. So verse 5, the Lord And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Verse 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. 
verse six, uh, 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Okay? So, you have a, an assignment in regards to this passage, and then we got some small group questions. I'm going to let y'all do that on your own. Um, and I literally just remembered I was supposed to read my responses from last week. I'll do that. Let me see how much time. Yeah, we got time. I'll do that. Okay, so your assignment for Exodus 34, verse 5 through 7, are to list the adjectives used in connection with Jehovah. Then you are to write out a prayer of praise and worship to him. All them adjectives that we just read, all those things that describe him, write them, write that out in a list, make a list, then write out a prayer of praise and worship. Okay? That's Exodus 34, verses 5 through 7. Right. Okay, so small group questions. Let's go. All right. So small first question is the name Jehovah. Oh, I'm sorry. We have a memory verse. Our memory verses Exodus 3 and 14. Okay. 3 and 14. Now, small group question. Uh, one, the name Jehovah is used more frequently in Scripture than any other name of God. Exactly what does Jehovah mean? The name Jehovah is used more frequently in Scripture than any other name of God. Exactly what does Jehovah mean? Question two. How does the meaning of Jehovah parallel God's answer to Moses in Exodus 3, verses 13 through 15. How does the meaning of Jehovah parallel God's answer to Moses in Exodus 3, 13 through 15? Question three, how is Jehovah usually translated in the Old Testament? How is Jehovah usually translated in the Old Testament? And finally, question four, Jehovah is the God of the covenant. From your study, what did you learn about your covenant-keeping Jehovah that can be applied to your life today? Jehovah is the God of the covenant. From your study, what did you learn about your covenant-keeping Jehovah 
that can be applied to your life today. Okay. Let's see a few questions from last week. Dr. Adonai. Okay. Well, my notebook. I have my notebook out, but I <laughs> look at my responses. Okay. Let me see here. Okay. So the assignment was to make sure I'm looking at the right thing. Okay, so we had uh, quite a few passages to look at last week, right? Uh, read the following scriptures carefully and note below each uh, how these verses show Jesus Christ is out of nine. Note to what, if anything, is required of us. Please remember that your responses are your responses. There is no exact correct answer. So if you have something that's different from me, that's fine. Okay. Now, uh, for Luke 14, 25 through 27, I put, uh, can I put anything or anyone above Christ, not even my own life, have to carry my cross and follow him? Uh, Matthew 10, verses 34 through 40, similar to the first, uh, Jesus comes first. John 13, 13 through 16. He's the teacher, master overall. No one is greater than Jesus. Romans 10, 8 through 10. Uh, I must acknowledge Christ as Lord in order to be saved. Right, then there is another portion. Uh, answer the following questions in light of what you've seen the past two lessons. So first question, do you believe Jesus is God? Yes. Uh, two, if you believe he is God, is he Adon Adonai? Yes. Three, uh, what type of commitment does it require on your part in order to call Jesus Lord? And I wrote, I not only have to acknowledge him as Lord, but obey and follow him. I must be willing to let go of everything, including my own life, in pursuit of Jesus. Okay. Uh, next part. So we had to read Matthew seven twenty one through twenty seven, and then answer some questions for that. The first question was: According to this passage, who will enter the kingdom of heaven? <clears throat> I wrote those who do the will of the Father. Excuse me. Uh, Question two. How does this pertain to Jesus as Adonai? I wrote, he and the Father are one. If I don't obey Jesus, then I don't obey the Father. Three. Can a person deny Jesus' lordship over their life and still go to heaven? Uh, Absolutely not. They're a worker of iniquity. Four. Is Jesus Christ your Adonai? Realistically speaking, no. I want to reach a place where I can submit to him in every area of my life. 
in everything. Uh, five, are you a wise or foolish person? How do you know? So just coming from an honest place, I would say I've been foolish because I have fallen from not submitting obeying like I should. I've grown tired of that, and I now want to be on the solid rock. I will say, though, when after I wrote that, like really meditating on it, um, the thing that the Lord was basically telling me was like, you know, basically don't be so critical. Sometimes I can be overcritical of myself. And so it's like, yeah, just because you messed up today doesn't mean that you've fallen out of fellowship with me. It's when the Holy Spirit, you know, starts evicting you and you're just kind of like, eh, whatever. Now you're being foolish, right? Or you willfully go to sin. Like, you know it's sin and you're willfully like, eh, I'm just going to do it anyway. That's foolish. But just because you fell down, right, kind of like what Pastor talked about, um, you know, in the sermon, just because you fell down doesn't mean that it's over, right? Like, just calm down a little bit. But also, it does it does help to be realistic. Sometimes we like, oh yeah, I'm good. Are you? Are you though? So at least recognizing that, yeah, I got a lot of work to do, is a good step, and it's a step in the right direction. You you're putting yourself on the rock because you can't even allow God to be God for you, be your strength, to be your rock, if you think you are the rock. Yeah, no, I'm good. I got this. No, I don't really struggle with anything. No, I don't really have any. I don't really have any issues. You lie to yourself. Whole <laughs> conversation for another time. Okay, so then uh, we had Romans six sixteen through seventeen. Okay. Um, we then read that, and we had to write out a prayer of commitment. I'm going to read my prayer now. Uh, Dear Lord, I commit to finishing the task you've given me and to invest the same energy I do in other things in my assignments and giving you more time on the weekends because it says on the weekends come, I'm like, ooh, sleep. You know, now the Lord is like, I want to spend more time with you on the weekend. I need you to give me more time. So that's my commitment. I will seek you first before I reach for anything else, and I will spend more time in your presence. Um, oh, Lord, I lost my spot. Yo. Okay. In Jesus' name, I will commit to memorizing Scripture as well. Amen. So those are some commitments that I have. Spending more time with him. Um, you know, I keep saying, like, yeah, I want to start memorizing more scriptures. It's like, okay, you need to just do it, right? Um, stick some scriptures to memory. We also had a memory verse, Psalm 16 and 2. Oops. And we had some small group questions that week. <laughs> we had a lot. Okay. So, uh, first question. As you understand it, define the name of the I, uh, I said, Lord, all supreme ruler and master. 
Two, what does the lordship of God over a man mean? That I acknowledge he has full control over everything, including me, and I submit and obey him. Or submit to and obey him. Three, uh, why is it important to know God is Adonai before you call on him as El Shaddai? Um, I can't recognize him as all-sufficient if I haven't acknowledged his lordship. I have to recognize that he is first, then I can see him as the source. Four, from your study of the scriptures, explain how the master-servant relationship applies to those who know God as Adonai. Um, God will provide for me, take care of all my needs, and become, and I will become a part of his family. Uh, five, what is Jesus' relationship to Adonai? Um, he and the Father are one. He has been given all authority. Six, is Christ Adonai to you? Not totally. That's something I have to change. Seven, in light of Jesus Christ being Adonai, how would you explain Matthew 7, uh, verses 21 through 22, to someone else? And I wrote not enough to do good works or good things. We must serve God with our whole heart and live the life as is expected of all those who call him Lord. We are his servants, therefore we must obey, submit, and follow him. Trusting God is uh, trusting God is who he says he is. And now that's it. <laughs> all right, so let's pray out. Lord God, I thank you once again for the day. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Um, Lord, I just pray that you continue to speak over me this week, speak over all of us, God. Continue to show us uh, who you are in our lives. Help us to draw closer to you so that we can familiarize ourselves with you, so that we can see you as Jehovah in our lives, uh, to recognize your Lordship as Adonai, God. And I pray, Lord, that you just continue to burn that fire, that fuel, that desire, that passion to get to know you more. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. All right, y'all, so I hope that you all have an awesome weekend. Take care, and God bless. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.